Welcome back to Mintz Levens from the Edge. This is Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Mintz Levin Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. Mintz Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at MintzEdge.com. Well, we are really fortunate today to have with us Jeff Belk. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us. Thank you, Jeremy. Great to be here. Jeff has been a tech executive for almost 35 years. He started in the PC industry in 1983 with a company later known as Proxima and was there from startup until after their IPO in the early 90s. Jeff then joined Qualcomm in 1994 and he spent 14 years at Qualcomm in roles including SVB Global Marketing and SVB Strategy and Marketing Development. Since leaving Qualcomm 10 years ago, Jeff has done a broad range of advisory and board work, including almost seven years on the board of Peregrine Semiconductor through its IPO and later its sale to Murata Corp, eight years on the board of Interdigital Corporation, a NASDAQ-traded company, and has been a board member and or advisor to many tech startups. In addition, Jeff is currently on the board of the San Diego Venture Group and on the executive committee and president-elect of the UC San Diego Alumni Association. Well, Jeff, just a very impressive background and obviously a lot of great experience to share with our listeners. We're just really delighted that you were able to join us. Um, on today's podcast, Jeff is going to discuss his extensive experience in building a number of technology companies and how to build and manage a board of directors. One of the most important things for entrepreneurs to really understand and one of those areas that they tend to, I think, make a lot of mistakes on. So Jeff, just to kick off, I'd like to ask, why did you choose the hard life of building technology companies, of all the things you could have done with your life. Gosh, as I was telling you prior to the webcast, when I started at Computer Accessories Corporation, it was about 18 employees, startup, and you know, I've had sort of the pleasure of going through the growth of that company, its IPO, joining Qualcomm at about $200 million in revenue, leaving at about $8 billion, and now um, being a board member to many companies uh, over the last 10 years. So, you know, for me, being in tech, uh, first half in the PC industry, second half in the comms industry has just been amazing. So I've been able to, you know, be a part of two revolutions in, in uh, you know, the business world, first being the advent and growth of the personal computer world and second being the amazing growth of wireless. Well, it's an incredible opportunity to have been there at the beginning of these, you know, like I say, giant industries that have just completely, you know, morphed. Um, but building technology companies is hard. Again, why did you, why was, of all the things, why did you want to build tech companies? Oh, gosh, that's a, an interesting story by itself in that uh, you know, I went to one college that did, well, obviously I went to UCSD since I'm going to be their uh, alumni president soon. But at UCSD, you really couldn't get a business job in 1983. So I ended up taking some classes at SDSU and ended up at what was called Computer Accessories Corporation, later Proxima and just got into the tech world and loved it and had a great you know, great mentor slash mentors early on in my career uh, that kind of, let's say, guided my path for my first couple of jobs until the point where I would go to them and say, okay, I think I need to manage uh, product marketing. I think you need me to move to Europe. I think you need to let me get my MBA. So, you know, like many folks out there, you know, all of us uh, can look back on a strong element of our success are A, the companies we work with, and B, the people who have managed us and hopefully been mentors to us. Wonderful. Well, we wanted to really focus today primarily on a really important topic, building a board of directors, managing a board of directors. Again, I kind of quickly referenced in the beginning that that's an area where 
certainly I've seen a lot of starting entrepreneurs really get a little confused about why they should build a board, who should be on the board, how to interact with the board. So let's, let's start by asking, why is the makeup of a board important to the entrepreneur? Well, let me, let me back up a little bit because you know, in the old days, and, and you know, before Sarbanes-Oxley, before the function of boards changed, and there are probably some boards out there that are still like this, uh, I just have never been a part of any or have met any. Uh, boards used to be the CEO would find their friends or bankers or people that they had relationships with and they would uh, be on a board together and it would be sort of collaborative and it would be lots of boondoggles and such associated with. As I said, I've never ever seen that type of board. Uh, when I was at Qualcomm, we weren't allowed to do commercial boards. We were encouraged to do nonprofits. So I did uh, one nonprofit that that was uh, more challenging. I prefer not to talk about it. And then another profit nonprofit uh, board that was the then the San Diego Telecom Council, Nomcom Next, now ComNexus, that was very effective. So at the time, I had one let's call it challenging nonprofit. One. Uh, Nonprofit with a broad range of very, very skilled people and still skilled people today that gave me in my mid to late 30s a good reference point. At the same time at Qualcomm for the first time I had exposure to the board as well. So I was invited to strat because my role as a senior vice president at global marketing involved in a lot of the strategy and messaging. Um, I was invited to board dinners. I was invited to um, board offsites and then you know, starting to present to the board. And you know, if I can go on here with that, you know, led me to, in retrospect, kind of bookending to where I am now after being in the middle of some, you know, multiple public boards. Is I sort of had a realization six, eight months ago that you know, if I could tell my younger self what I don't, what what I didn't know then that I know now about boards. So if I could parse your um, your question into into two elements, one sure. is. A startup board and second the board as it grows and absolutely so, so yeah, for, so for, for a startup. startup board so you have an entrepreneur you have an idea you bootstrap it um, you probably have some advisors that help you out you're getting money from friends and family etc but at some point you're gonna need some help you're gonna need to raise money you're gonna need some deeper assistance you're gonna need contacts that, that um, you know you don't have in your experience and frankly, if you're, gonna, if you're a self-aware individual, you're gonna recognize there are things you're really, really good at as a CEO, and there are things that maybe you aren't as good at. And in both cases, as a startup, there are two functions a board can do in, in that case. First of all, a fiduciary board, so the people that have a responsibility to the shareholders of the company, at some point, if you raise money, you're gonna need a fiduciary board. Your investors or your VCs are gonna to wanna to be a part of that board, just by definition. Um, and secondly, at some point, you'll probably wanna have an independent director be a part of the board as well. And these people, you know, you can look at them as sort of a, a pain in the ass or a thorn <laughs> in the side or something to be managed heavily, or you can look them look at them as a a partner in your business. And in my experience, um, you know, a board that's less than fully functional uh, is a real challenge or impediment for for a CEO to overcome, and usually indicative of some other other issues uh, within the company. So, really, really important point you just made there. So, the board, in your experience, for entrepreneurs, it's a mistake to have just like friends and insiders. What I'm hearing you say is that the board, you really need to look and see, you know, what are the areas that 
you don't have internal expertise or personal expertise, and then use the board to fill in those gaps. Correct. Yeah, and, and actually, if you look at the change, so let's let's bounce to the public company side now. Uh, one of the ways that public companies have moved away from this, obviously, there's been a, a lot of regulatory oversight, but there's multiple ratings agencies such as Glass-Siegel and ISS that closely measure the metrics, both qualitative, like compensation, and quantitative, um, like financials around a board. And they actually encourage boards to do a skills matrix. So, you know, for public companies, you can actually look up their board of directors, and as an investor, evaluate what the, the range of skills are on a board. Now, in a small company, let's take an extreme example. You're an entrepreneurial, you pitch a, a CEO. CEO says, I want to have a board seat. But let's say two scenarios, one bad, one good. In one scenario, you get the investor's money, but then surprise, surprise, you learn there's a disconnect between what the investor's perception was in terms of where your product's maturity is, uh, how much cash you need to, to, the to the spend. The first board meeting after the investor Yeah, first board up. meeting. And, you know, versus, versus... I'm some of those. Yeah, not that you've seen any of this. Or versus a board meeting where you, know, you, have, you, know, you have a close discussion of the realities of your company, of you know, your personnel challenges, your product challenges, the investor understands that and comes to the table with you know, skills and the ability to guide you, hopefully with the Rolodex of customers to point you to, hopefully with the money if you need to make some hires that they're pointing you to people or, or to people who can find you, the right people for the organization. So right from there, there's a, you know, a differentiation of impact that goes beyond the dollars that you're, you know, whether it's a, a big angel investor or a venture capitalist can provide. So. So I've got the board built. Let's, let's assume I've built it the correct way, right? I brought in the right people. I've got some investors. I have some specific areas of um, expertise that I want to bring to the board. The board meeting. I know you have a lot of opinions about how best to run a board meeting. I think it would be fun to share your story about your first, your first presentation. Yeah, so this, this is actually a, a fun one for me because, um, you know, I got my master's degree at UC Irvine and I was invited back to... Um, um, speak to them last fall and I'd been at a Financial Times conference and had a long um, chat with the with the journalist about board stuff and it kind of led me to writing an article for them and it had me reminiscing about you know the first time I pitched to Qualcomm's board that had an ex-head of the National Security Advisors you know folks who were very high in finance uh, folks that were political and no one ever told me what the function of a board was. Nobody ever told me how to relate to them. And what I did, of course, being the messaging guy and let's say an idiot in this case, <laughs> is I, you know, I looked at the people on the board and I said, well, I don't know what they could ask due to their you know, broad variance and background. So I created a slide deck that was way too big thinking I could go through it and you know, like a an improvised jazz player, I could modify my presentation based on the questions they asked. So I get up there and I start giving the presentation, there's no questions. And of course, you know, to be fair to my boss at the time, he'd vetted it and said, okay, you have too many slides, but really didn't tell me much uh, past that. So I went up there and, you know, my younger self probably was perceived as sort of you know, having, let's say, not, not optimizing my time in front of the board. I'll, I'll be politically correct about it. So now, you know, now that I've been on you know boards of growing companies, public company boards, larger nonprofits, etc., one of the things that that um, 
you know, is sort of missing is the board's evaluation of your staff. So it's not only you as the CEO, but if you're a senior executive that's coming in front of the board, especially in a fast growing company, because what are the decision the board is making? They're making decisions on capital allocation. They're making decisions on people. In a fast growing company, it's kind of like, okay, we need to expand staffing. Two ways to do this. Are the people in the company able to grow into those new roles? Or is this something that you know we're gonna encourage the CEO to find new people? So I, I can't impress on folks in a, in a growing environment, if you are interacting with your board, you gotta understand what these people are gonna be looking for. Because if you don't make the proper impression, uh, there's better than a, a zero odds, they may not perceive you as the person who's gonna grow into the larger role. I don't, I don't know if you've seen this yourself as oh, well, Jeremy. Absolutely, and I think again, this is you're really raising a really important point. So a lot of times members of management think that their job when they walk into that boardroom is to basically just you know do a data dump, right? Tell them everything about the company, everything that happened the last quarter, you know, go into deep dive in all kinds of financial information, stuff that in reality, probably should have been sent to the board, you know, two weeks before the board meeting for them to review themselves. And what they don't do is they don't actually take advantage of the expertise sitting around that table to get operational advice, strategic advice, right? There's not a conversation, it's a one-way conversation. Ab absolutely, and I, yeah, I think of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm doing sort of a podcast, which is a version of a, a, a radio, an old radio cast. First time I did a, a radio, it was around a Super Bowl for, for Qualcomm. And it was a local sports show, and I did my bit, and I kind of went through my canned messaging, sort of like the equivalent of radio equivalent of slide deck. And after the producer was busting up, because I was you know young guy, hadn't done radios before, he goes, "I have one word of advice to you: when I hand you the microphone, you start pitching, and you don't stop pitching until I tear the microphone away from you." And I think that <laughs> you know we get caught up in protecting ourselves in slideware instead of getting to to. Uh, you know, valued content. And I, I think CEOs play a role in this as well, because a lot of times they're harried, you know, they're trying to manage the deck you know, or the, 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 the board meeting, and it ends up with being a deck review. And I think that's the worst thing for a company, because if you have a skilled board, you want to find a way to elevate the conversation around issues and not just, uh, you know, on either side have rote reading of slides. I, I, I totally agree with you. And so, what I do, like, you know, it sounds like you do this a lot with new, uh, you know, members of management. But I always sit down with the CEO, especially before the first board meeting when the VCs are coming in, and really try to help them understand that it's okay to ask the VCs, like, what do you actually want? What do you actually care about? Right? Get some guidance. Don't just go in there thinking you know what they want, and, and like you said, giving this big dump of a of a, of a PowerPoint presentation. And and if you do that, if you actually ask, you'll get feedback. And they'll send you some materials. I mean, for example, the financials, right? I love the fact that VCs have a very standard structure that they want to see the financial information presented. And I can't tell you how many board meetings I've sat in, I'm sure you've seen this too, where the CFO's coming in, you know, three, four, five board meetings and, can, and just gets torn apart with all these comments and questions about his document and the way it's presented and never once says, well, wait a minute, why don't you just tell me what you want and give me an example and I'll do what you want. And it, yeah, I think there are two ways. One is lower risk, one is higher risk. 
Because, you know, one of the things that, you know, if you're a CEO or anybody interacting with the board, there's some really, really good books out there, hit Amazon, that, that give you, you know, a way to understand board board relationships. But, you know, um, many companies I'm at, and, you know, not all companies that I've been on the board of, the CEO will actually do 30-minute board calls with um, every board member the week before the board meeting, kind of previewing the top topics and getting feedback on what that board, board, I gotta stop board you member for a second, uh, uh, does. So hugely important right so that goes under that heading no surprises no surprises if, if the board of directors hears about something for the first time from the ceo at a board meeting how how does how that proceed it it does not work well but on, on the same token again a lot of ceos and a lot of every you know don't assume that the board members read the board packages and that you know i think that that goes back to the example of the good and bad um um uh, you know, relationship with the VCU finances you. If you have a board that doesn't read the board package before they, they get to the meeting, that's a bigger problem and feel free to address them. So you have to assume that there's a burden on, on both parts of doing, doing, uh, doing their job. Um, you know, that being said though, you know, I'm not sure, and you know, I, I, back to this UC Irvine thing, I asked, a, I guess I had about 150 people in the audience, 60% of them interacted with boards, and not one of them, not one of them raised their hand when I asked the question, were you, you know, really tutored or, you know, did your company spend time with you explaining the function of the board and how you should structure your presentation before you went in front of the board? So I'm dropping down to that, that next layer down as you, uh, as you go through this. You know, but, but bottom line is, uh, you know, a board can be a, a, a barrier, a board can be a you know, what could be perceived as a necessary evil, or in my view, it should be, you know, perceived as a, you know, strategic partner in, frankly, low cost asset to help you build your company at a much faster rate. And more importantly, for you as a CEO and your team, you know, hopefully somebody with experiences that uh, fill against your lighter spots and, and, you know, help you as an individual to grow more quickly, help your executives grow more quickly, help staff the company more quickly, and help you know, everybody achieve uh, the proper objectives for all the stakeholders in, in, a, in a more effective fashion. I love that, that's such a great summary. You know, so often, particularly in early stage companies, the founder views the board as the enemy. He's afraid that they are, she, he or she's afraid that they're gonna be critical, that they're gonna remove them, and they don't, do what you just said, which is to think about all the ways you can use them as an asset. Yeah, I think that you know, I won't use the person's name, but this is fully plagiarized. But you know, there, there's somebody I had the honor of being on a board with. It was one of the early VCs. He was, gosh, either board or chairman of the National Venture Capital Association, and he, nicest, gentlest person you can imagine. But you know, he had a statement that the job of a board is to support the hell out of a CEO until they fire them. <laughs> and I didn't get the feeling that this gentleman in his you know, 40, 50 years being a VC has had to fire too many boards. I'm sure he has. But what I saw was the how do we support the CEO? And that's really the attitude that, that you know, a board has to bring to the table on a monthly, quarterly, annually basis. But again, it's a two-sided relationship. The board is collectively and this is important, collectively, the boss of the board. So if you have a board where individual board members are inserting down and guiding the CEO, that doesn't work. But if you look at, as I explained to my kids, if you look at the board as a collective organism that manages and directs the CEO, you know, figure, 
you know, directs the CEO directly, the flip side of that relationship is the CEO has to perform. And if the CEO doesn't perform, it's up to the board to protect uh, the interests of all the stakeholders, not just the CEO. Well, that's great, Jeff. So just as we wrap up, what are you doing now? Share with us, if you don't mind, some of the activities that you're involved with today. Well, yeah, as you said in the bio, so, you know, obviously I'm still on the board of InterDigital, which is a, a very enjoyable board, high, high energy. Um, I'm on the board of the San Diego Venture Group with a gentleman named uh, Jeremy Glazer. Um, a lot of activity at UC San Diego. As Jeremy mentioned, I'm on the executive committee and I'm president-elect. Uh, additionally, a fun one there where I get to spend time uh, with, with uh, young entrepreneurs is my wife and I uh, help name. We're one of three uh, namers and funders of a undergraduate incubator called The Basement at UC San Diego that currently has... Uh, uh, you know, 26 different undergraduate teams, and they're not doing easy stuff like we would have done 30 years ago. They're you know doing um, um, heavy-duty you know biotech or they're 3D printing rocket engines. It's uh, a pretty impressive. They're doing uh, augmented reality and virtual reality tools. It's a pretty impressive crew. I think that's wonderful. Just uh, that's a great example of where you're really just giving back to the tech community and mentoring young entrepreneurs, and you have so much great experience to share not only on boards, but on technology, on marketing, all the things you've been involved with. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been, it, it, you know, as, as I, Jeremy asked for a bio and I, I wrote, it's been 35 years that I, since I graduated and I'm not quite sure how that happened because I don't, I don't feel that old. I know the feeling. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. This was really valuable information for folks out there trying to run a company, build a board, manage a board. Just some really great advice here. Um, just thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Jeremy, and look forward to doing it again uh, in the future. Us too. This is Jeremy Glazer of Men's Levin, and thank you for listening to this edition of From the Edge. Mm-hmm.